0: Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your mercy and kindness to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray now that as we reflect on Proverbs 31, that you help us as your people saved by grace to be uh, inspired and challenged by uh, this noble wife whom we're reading about. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a big, scary world out there, full of difficult, seemingly insoluble problems. In our world today, millions of people are suffering because of war. Uh, Millions of people, literally millions of people are displaced and have become refugees. Millions of people in our world today don't have enough food or fresh water or shelter. Tens of thousands of people are being sold into slavery. Economic inequality continues. Unabated billions of people live in poverty. Uh, Vast areas of forest are being degraded every day. Whole species of animals are being wiped out. Uh, We're pouring toxic gases into the air and pollution into the water. We are rapidly using up our resources of coal and oil. We're fishing the seas towards extinction. Uh, In our own nation, 100,000 helpless babies are murdered each year. Uh, We struggle with issues about refugees, the environment, the economy. As a nation, we have massive debt. Many people can't afford to buy a house. Uh, We struggle with issues around unemployment and education and health and infrastructure. We have an indigenous population with all kinds of problems. In the wider population, uh, obesity is on the increase, along with heart disease, cancer, diabetes, family breakdown, domestic violence, generational poverty, anxiety and depression. There is a lot wrong with this world. This is a world full of problems, problems that are enormous and problems that are very, very complex. So how do you be a wise person in this world? We've spent three months now studying the book of Proverbs and thinking about God's wisdom in areas of life. We've got lots and lots of wise information. But in this world... It's not so easy to put it into practice, is it? In the face of all the problems that we see around us, it feels a bit futile. It feels like we can't make any difference. Do you get the issue? Wisdom is fine in theory, but what about in this fallen, troubled world? What good is it going to do, us or anybody else? How can we be wise people in this world of problems? Okay, well, we've come to the end of our series on the book of Proverbs. Just before we dive, dive into the last chapter, though, I thought it'd be good to kind of refresh your memories a bit and we'll have a, a bit of a tour back over what we've done in this last three months. it take a couple of minutes to reflect back on what we've done. So we started off, do you remember, by working through the first nine chapters. We just read through them. And, and do you remember, we were invited over and over again to treasure and love and value wisdom. So there was the dad calling on his son to treasure and value wisdom. There was wisdom personified. Remember, she was personified as a woman and she was calling on us. Love me, value me. We were told that wisdom can give us life. And we were told that wisdom can protect us from, can you remember, the two foolish foolish enemies, the gang and the adulterous woman. That was the first nine chapters. And then what we did from chapters 10 to 31, we... We covered seven topics, seven topics from the book of Proverbs. The first topic was good and evil, do you remember? So we talked about how God is the one who determines what is good and what is evil. We talked about being good, we said being good is good for us and it's good for other people and it's pleasing to God. Second topic, our second topic was about the king. So we saw God's call on kings to govern with justice for the good of their people. And we saw God's call on citizens to respect authorities and to deal with them with humility. Third topic was work. We saw that God is in charge of our work, so we should do godly work. We saw that we should work diligently. And we thought about what a sacrifice is worth making or what a sacrifice is not worth making for work. Next topic was relationships. We saw that in our relationships we should try to reflect God's character of kindness, faithfulness, generosity, patience, humility, honesty and grace. Next was family. We saw that family is important and uh, we we, we saw God's wisdom about being a wise son and uh, choosing a wife wisely and also being a wise parent. And next was money. Money. We were told that God owns all our money and we thought about wise ways to earn money and wise ways to spend it. And then finally there was the topic of words. Uh, we were reminded that words are powerful and we were encouraged to be careful with words, uh, try to get rid of ungodly ways of speaking and cultivate godly ways, wise ways of speaking. Seven topics and so now at last we come to the last part of the book of Proverbs and the book ends with a poem a poem, it's a special kind of poem. It's called an acrostic poem. And what an acrostic poem? How an acrostic poem works is this. Uh, each line of the poem begins with a new letter of the alphabet. So it's written in Hebrew, of course, the Hebrew alphabet. So the first line starts with the letter A in Hebrew, Aleph. Uh, second line, the Hebrew equivalent of the letter B. Third line, C. And all the way through to Z. So there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, so there are 22 lines in this poem. And, and the idea of it is... Uh, it's an A to Z of wisdom. That's how the book of Proverbs finishes, with an A to Z of wisdom. Now, the poem is all about a woman. She's not actually given a name, she's just called a wife of noble character. Now, first thing the poem says is this she is a very rare character. You don't find many women like this one. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10. Have a look with me. Proverbs chapter 31. And verse 10. A wife of noble character, who can find? The second thing we're told about her is she's very valuable. Still in verse 10. She is worth far more than rubies. Worth more than rubies. Maybe uh, if you've been here right through the series, that might be ringing a bell for you because you may remember back uh, back at the beginning of uh, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, for example, when the author was talking about wisdom, he said, uh, blessed are those who find wisdom, she is more precious than rubies. Also in chapter 8, wisdom is more precious than rubies. So here's this noble wife, she's like wisdom herself, uh, more precious than rubies. Uh, Next thing we'll learn about her... Next thing we learn is she brings good to her husband. She makes his life better. Verse 11. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. We then get a whole series of lines about the work that she does. She works diligently. She works skillfully. Verse 13. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers works hard. Next we hear that she's very generous. This noble wife is generous to the poor. Verse 20. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Next line we see that she's got her family looked after. She's got them dressed, ready to face a cold winter. Verse 21. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. In the next line, we learn about her bed. Uh, Back in chapter 7, the background here is the adulterous woman. The adulterous woman uh, talked about how she had covered her bed with coloured linens from Egypt. It was a, a sexually alluring image. Well, the noble wife has covered her bed as well. She faithfully looks after her husband in the bedroom, verse 22. She makes coverings for her bed. She also dresses herself well, still in verse 22. She's clothed with fine linen and purple This wife of noble character, she's done done such a good job looking after her household that she actually frees her husband up. She, She frees him up to get involved in civic duties, to become part of political life. He is able to spend his time at the city gate with the elders of the city, making sure that the city is governed with justice. Verse 23. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. We see more about her life and her work and its effect. She's not anxious all the time because she knows she's worked hard, she's worked wisely, she's planned, and she's well prepared for anything. Verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Next we hear about her words, her speech. She speaks wisely, she teaches... True things. Verse 26. She speaks with wisdom. She speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. We hear more about her family relationships. She looks after her family faithfully. She looks after her family diligently. And her children and her husband, they appreciate it. Verse 27. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things but you surpass them all. And the poem ends with some words of advice from the poet. He says, don't be tricked by charm. Don't be tricked by looks. The sort of woman we should praise, the sort of woman we should honour is not a charming or beautiful woman. No, no, the sort of woman who we should praise is a wise woman, a woman who fears the Lord. Verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, Havel. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honour her for all that her hands have done and let her words bring her praise at the city gate. All right, there it is, the poem of the noble wife. Makes you tired just reading it, doesn't it? Did you notice, though, how it summarised the wisdom of the book? It's actually a very clever ending. Because basically every topic that we've covered from Proverbs is here encapsulated in this woman. She's a woman who does good, not evil. Uh, She's a woman who enables her husband to play a role in politics, bringing justice to the city. Uh, She works diligently in her relationships. She's godly. She looks after her family. She's wise and generous with money. And her words are words of wisdom. This woman, she is the epitome of wisdom. She exemplifies wisdom. She, in her we do see the A to Z of wisdom, all summarised in a person. Very clever ending. What are we going to do with her then? Okay, as we head towards applying this poem to ourselves, we need to remember God's ultimate wisdom. We need to remember the fulfilment of this wise woman. In Christ, God has shown us ultimate wisdom. Uh, Jesus is the ultimate king who only ever did good. Jesus is the one whose words are salvation and life. Jesus is the one who showed ultimate relational love and generosity in dying on the cross for our sins. Jesus is the one who brings us into God's eternal family. It's going to sound a little bit weird, but Jesus is the fulfillment of this wife of noble character. Uh, She points us to him. She, uh, G, uh, Jesus is the ultimate epitome and example of wisdom. And so she is, we, we should do with her what we do with the rest of the Old Testament. That is, we should see her, fu- her fulfilled in Jesus. All right, then, well, as people who trust Jesus, who see the fulfillment of this woman in Jesus, wh- what do we then do with this wife of noble character? How do we apply this passage to ourselves? Uh, the first thing is to realize she's an ideal She's the exemplification of wisdom. She finds her fulfilment in Jesus. I don't think we should look at this woman in despair. There is no way I could ever be anything like that. There aren't enough hours in the day. I give up. That kind of thing. Uh, Nor should husbands be saying to their wives, live up to this or something like that. No, no, no. no. We look at this woman as people saved by grace. Grace. And so as we think about applying this poem to ourselves, we start off, as we do with all of the rest of the Old Testament, we start off by acknowledging our sin and failure. We admit that we fail to be wise like this woman. We are foolish. We're never going to be saved by our wisdom. We can only ever be saved by Jesus. And so this woman should, should, should make us turn to God for forgiveness through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and ask God to fill us with his spirit. But then, as God's forgiven, spirit-filled children, we're not going to look at her in despair. We're not going to give up. No, no, we will use examples like this noble wife to inform us and to motivate us. She's a model for us to aspire to. A model of doing good. A model of wisdom in work and money and family and relationships and words. What do we do with this wife of noble character? Well, as Jesus saves spirit-filled people, we let her lead us to repentance and we let her inspire us to godly wisdom. That's how we apply this passage. But the thing I want to reflect on particularly this morning is this. Did you notice how ordinary she is? I know this is anachronistic. I know she's not a housewife in the modern post-industrial revolution sense of the world. Life was very, very different before the industrial revolution and and this woman works in all sorts of ways in a subsistence culture, uh, providing for her family. But in one sense, just bear with me for the sake of the argument, in one sense, this woman, this epitome of wisdom, this A to Z of wisdom, she's a housewife. Just think about that for a second. The entirety of God's wisdom... The the, the A to Z of God's wisdom is summarized in a housewife. In her, we see it all. I, I do hope, just by the way, before we go on, I do hope we never undervalue the importance of women who serve their families. I hope we never undervalue those women who work with diligence and wisdom in the sphere of home. As the saying goes, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Anyway, the point I want to focus on is this. This picture of wisdom in practice, in one sense, it's quite small, quite quite ordinary. This noble wife, she doesn't start any revolutions. She doesn't rage against the status quo. She doesn't transform geopolitical systems. She doesn't resolve flawed economic models. She doesn't bring down multinationals or overthrow capitalism or end tyranny or communism. She just just lives wisely in her own little sphere of influence, in, in, in her own little corner. Friends, I think it's very important that we get this We live in a world full of big problems, full of problems that there's just no way we're ever going to solve ourselves. And as we try to live wisely in this world, I believe this is critical for us to understand. We need to be wise in the small things. Wise in the small things. Uh, There's a a Canadian psychologist. He's got a bit of fame or infamy at the moment. His name is uh, Jordan Peterson. And uh, Peterson talks about people who go on and on, particularly young people, who who, who go on and on with their opinions about the major issues of the world, Uh, people who think they have the answers to the the big problems that face humanity. He says it's weird, especially for young people. It's weird that people think they can have an opinion on such massive, complicated issues when they can't even get their own lives together. Let, Let me quote from Jordan Peterson. He says this. He says, "'Don't be fixing up the economy,' 18-year-olds, you don't know anything about the economy. It's a massive, complex machine beyond anyone's understanding and you mess with it at your peril. So, can you even clean up your own room? No? Well, you think about that. You you should think about that because if you can't even clean up your own room, who the hell are you to give advice to the world? I, I think he's on to something. I think he's onto something. It is quite arrogant and quite ridiculous when you think about it. We have all of these opinions on complex social and economic matters. We reckon we can solve the refugee crisis or fix the environment or the economy all in the space of one Facebook tweet or whatever it is that we think we can inform everybody. with. The reality is we can't even sort out our own lives. We're like fat, middle-aged men sitting on the couch with our beer and our pie, telling the Australian cricket team how they're going to beat India. (laughs) We actually don't have the first idea. What we need to do is stop worrying about beating India. Instead, we need to get off the couch, put down the beer, get a carrot, and go into the backyard and play with the kids. Get our own life in order. In the interview, Jordan Peterson goes on to say this. My sense is that if you want to change the world, you start from yourself and work outward. He says, start with things that are easy to fix. That'll give you confidence and competence. Let me quote again, clean your room. And then maybe you'll learn enough by doing that so that you can fix up your family a little bit. And then having done that, you'll have enough character so that when you try to operate in the world, at your job or, or maybe in the broader social spheres, that you'll be a force for good instead of harm. Do you get the point? And can you see how it relates to this wife of noble character? She starts small, with herself, in her own domain. That enables her to contribute to the lives of her household, the people around her, her her husband, her children, her servants. From there, she can be an even broader blessing to her neighbours. She helps the poor and the needy. She even enables her husband to get involved in city politics. This, this A to Z of wisdom is small stuff. Friends, as I say, I believe this is really important for us to get. For a few reasons. Firstly, because in the age of the internet, everybody seems to think they know what they're talking about when very, very few people do. But, but, but secondly, what happens to us, I think, is we turn on the news at night... And we are bombarded with problems and issues. Problems and issues that we have no control over. Problems and issues that we can't fix. We can pray about them, but we can't actually do anything about them. And what that does, it makes us feel anxious and it makes us feel stressed and it disempowers us, leads us to feel helpless and paralyzes us. We feel we can't make any difference. It's all futile. And so what we do is nothing. We we just get on with making ourselves comfortable and entertained. The wise person, the wise person realizes there is plenty that we can't control in this world. There is stuff, in one sense, there's no point stressing about. But the wise person also realizes there are some things we can control. We do have a sphere of influence. We can clean our room. We can open our Bible and, and, and pray and read. We can get our house organized, make life easier for our family. We can bring up children in a safe, disciplined, godly way. We can work in our job, work hard, work faithfully. Maybe we can even do a job that helps in politics or, or the environment or some other way. We, we can serve in our church. We can give money to charity. We can in a democracy. Contribute politically. We can exercise our vote wisely. We can maybe even write letters on issues that concern us. In terms of the environment, again, we don't have to despair or be paralysed. There are things we can control. It reminds me of that famous environmentalist saying about think globally, but act locally. Are you worried about global warming? Start by turning your air conditioning off. Or buy a smaller car. Or put a solar panel on the roof. Buy food and clothes that are sustainably produced. There are things we can control. The key is, get on and be wise in those areas. Stop stressing about all the big stuff. Don't, but don't be paralysed by it. Get on and do what you can do. In the scheme of things, it may be small, but at least it's not nothing. At least it's something. It reminds me of a famous story. It's a Pretty kitsch story, but let me tell it to you anyway. An old man was walking along the beach after a big storm had passed. The beach was littered with starfish as far as the eye could see. Off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he was bending down to pick up objects and throw them into the sea. The man called out, What are you doing? The young boy replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide washed them onto the beach. When the sun gets high, they'll die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man replied, But there must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. You won't be able to make any difference. The boy bent down, picked up a starfish, and threw it into the ocean. Then he smiled and said, It made a difference to that one. One boy can make a little difference. But, of course, we're not just one boy as God's people here on earth, are we? And when we all make a little difference and when we get together and get organised, we can make a bigger difference. Again, though, the key, though, the key is to be wise with what we can control. In a big world, live wisely in the small things, just, just like this wife of a noble character. Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for this picture of wisdom that we've seen in this wife of noble character. We pray, Heavenly Father, uh, that you help us as we look at her uh, to repent of our failure, to be wise in our lives. Uh, We pray that you help us to look uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ to be our wisdom and our salvation. And we pray that as we look at this uh, noble wife, that we will be inspired by your spirit to live wisely in the sphere of influence that you have given us. We pray that uh, as individuals we may make a difference and we pray that we as a church and, and as a church in your world will make a difference for good, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.